Staying true to America's national destiny, the voice of the awakening. Your host, Bishop E. W. Jackson. Now, for those of you who are visiting with us, you are coming into the fifth message in a series of sermons called Walking in Power. Uh, those sermons are the continuation, if you will, or really a sequel to the first part, which was Becoming Disciples. We've been focused a lot on distinguishing ourselves as disciples of Jesus Christ versus mere churchgoers. You know, one of the things that I pointed out at the very beginning of this series, do you know the word Christian or Christianity is only found three times in the Bible? Only three times. Jesus never called a Christian. He called disciples. That's used 271 times. In fact, we began to be called Christians in a place called Antioch, and it wasn't the, the believers who called us Christians, it was the people of Antioch who were trying to figure out what to call all these people who kept running around talking about the Christ, the Christ, the Christ. They said, oh yeah, Christianos, little Christ, because that's all they talk about. But even the apostles, when they wrote about it, said, but the disciples. So they continue to call themselves and think of themselves as disciples. See, because you can be a casual Christian, but you can't be a casual disciple. Because a disciple is one who follows, is disciplined by, is led by the one who disciples him. So if you are a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, that means you are a follower of his. Jesus said, come and be my disciple, not come and be a church-going Christian. All kinds of people call themselves Christians, and they're not. Many of them are not. They just say they are, because they don't, they don't really even understand. Some people call themselves Christians, they don't even understand what a Christian is. They really don't. All they know is, I was raised in a church, I mean, I was raised in a home where my parents went to church. They were Christians, therefore I'm Christian. No, no, it doesn't work like that. Doesn't work like that. In order to be a Christian, just like I said about little Kareen, in order to be a Christian, you've got to make a conscious decision of surrender of the life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and a commitment to following him. In other words, it's got to even be more than an insurance policy. Man, I don't want to go to hell. What do I have to do? Just say, yeah, yeah, Jesus, save me. Okay, praise the Lord. And then you go right back out and keep living the way you've been living. No, no, no. You, you have to accept him. And then, Lord, you are my leader now. What do you want me to do? How do you want to order my life? What do you want, how do you want to shift around my priorities? So we've been talking about walking in power because disciples are not weak, inconsequential people. The story in the, in, the, in, the, in the book of Acts is of a people, by the way, not just the named apostles that we always think of, Peter, James, John, but even men who became deacons, men who were deacons, they went out and started preaching and the power of God just followed them. So there was a reputation about the church. These, these are people of consequence. These are people of power. When these people come on the scene, things start to happen. How far the church is from that reputation today where people think of the church, you know, they think money. Think of the church, they think preacher driving a big car and, you know, living in a mansion. Uh, they think, you know, television. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with driving a nice car. There's nothing wrong with living in a nice home. But th that's not the purpose of the gospel. Those are benefits that can come to any person who will put their faith in Jesus Christ and let him lead God and direct them and help them. You know, when people come to me with financial problems, I can tell them point blank, I have been where you are. I have been where you are. But the Lord brought me out of it. The Lord brought me out of it. I told a story one time 
about Sister Jackson and I going through a terrible financial difficulty. And I was telling the Lord, Lord, I got to find me a job. I got to find me a part-time job. And God told me very specifically, because he called me to preach. He said, no, 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 make prayer your job. Make prayer your job. And I said, okay, Lord, I'll do that. And I began to spend several hours a day in prayer. And that thing just started to turn around just like that, just like that. See, now, I'm not bragging on myself. God had to arrest me because I was ready to do what everybody else does. Oh, I'm in trouble. Let me go out and do something. But a disciple of Jesus Christ is supposed to think, no, let me go to God. Amen. Lord, you, you show me what you want me to do. Because God may not want you to do what you're planning to do. I'm going to show you that in a second. Amen? Amen. 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 Notice what it says. We just read it before in John 14, 12 through 14. Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. Now, Jesus wasn't a liar. And if that's not happening, it ain't his fault. Amen. He says, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, when somebody says, well, I I've heard people say it. Well, you know, I prayed and I prayed and God didn't answer. You a liar. Because either you're a liar or God's a liar and God doesn't lie. He said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, we know from reading the rest of scripture, that means you've got to ask in faith. Because the Bible says in James 1, let him ask in faith, nothing doubting. Because he that doubts is like a wave driven of the wind and tossed. And let not that man think he will receive anything from the Lord. Amen. So, so it's not God's fault. Let me tell you something that you, I want you to take with you for the rest of your life. When something goes wrong, if it's anybody's fault, it's not God. It might be you, it might be somebody else, but it's not God. Amen. You know, people have things go wrong and they get mad at God. God, why'd you let this happen to me? He ain't let nothing happen to you. Maybe you let something happen to you. Or maybe the circumstances of life found you in a difficult situation. What you ought to be saying is, Lord, how do you want to bring me out of this? All right. Let's go to Acts chapter 28. I'm sorry, no, don't go to Acts chapter 28. We're going to start, start back at where we left off. Um, glory to God, hallelujah. Let me say this. You can, you can go find your place in um, Acts chapter 16. We'll get there in a second. Let me say this. Speaking of that, that very issue, that not too long ago, and you all, if you watch the news, this woman, Catherine Hamm, who is a, a regular on Fox News, just got married not too long ago, has one child, pregnant with another. Her husband went out on a biking, um, some sort of biking recreational thing, or maybe it was a competitive thing, got killed, got killed. Well, somebody not too long ago was saying to me that a friend of theirs died very young, I think, I think it was 34, something like that, and they said they were very angry. Now, they didn't say they were angry at God, but they said they were very, very angry. I was very, very angry. When I hear that, I know people in some sense, they're looking, because you can't be angry without being angry at something or someone. And what people really want to do is they want to blame God. God, why did you let this happen? Now, the truth of the matter is that Jesus said in Hebrews chapter 2, he said that he took the keys of death from Satan, who had held the keys, and it kept people in bondage all their lives because of the fear of death. If you read the Bible closely, you will find that Satan was the one and always has been the one bringing about death. And what people don't realize is they blame God for something that Satan did. God's not interested in killing your spouse. He wants people saved. But guess who is interested in killing? 
the devil. Because Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that you might have life and that you ha may have it more abundantly. Now Jesus drew a bold line of demarcation. He said, if it's stealing, if it's killing, if it's destroying, it's the devil. He said, if it's life and that more abundantly, it's God. Amen. So we ought to have that straight in our minds. When something bad happens, they'll say, well, why did God? No, 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 why bring God into it? What did God have to do with it? Well, I, but, but I know that person and I don't know you know what you think you know. You don't, you don't really know anything about anyone. I mean, you don't know how they were praying. You don't know what they were believing. You don't know what they were doing. You don't, you, you don't know anything about the situation. What you have to concern yourself with is yourself and your family. You know, because the first thing people say is, well, now, you know, I, I, I knew Joe Smith. Now, Joe Smith went to church every Sunday. I mean, he even tithed because he told me. He went out and got hit by a truck. Now, explain that. No. Why should I? Because I don't know him. I don't know what he was doing. I don't know what he believed. I'll tell you what I'm going to tell you. You don't have to go out and get hit by a truck. If you put your faith in God, God will protect you from that. See, that's what you need to concern yourself with because you don't know the lives of other people. I've walked into hospital situations. Since Jackson and I, when my mother-in-law was sick many years ago, she's going on to be at the Lord. And we, we, on the way up there, we went in there saying that she had a bad intestinal infection, gangrene had set in. And we went in there saying, now let's go in there and see what we're hearing. Because if, if we ain't hearing the right thing, we're going to put some folk out of here. Because you know, you go in there and, and, and we heard it while we were away. Somebody, a, 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 a dear friend of mine, his father got sick. Preacher stood up and said, Lord, we don't know your will. We don't know what you have in mind. Just let your, shut up. I mean, I don't want you praying for my loved ones like that. I mean, what you need to be saying is, Lord, you said in your word that by your stripes we were healed. I'm standing on the healing of my daddy. So, so don't, don't blame God when, when stuff goes wrong. Now this fifth message is about protection, the protection of God on your life. That's what we've been dealing with, the protection of God on your life. And people have said, well, you know, that wasn't fair. That's what the person said to me about this young guy who died. That wasn't fair. Well, the devil's not fair. He's not, he's a thief, he's a killer, and he's a destroyer. He's not interested in being fair with anyone. And by the way, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you are completely at his mercy because you have no tools with which to, to defeat him. Because the only thing you can defeat him with is the power of God, the word of God. If you don't have that, you are completely at his mercy. And guess what? He has no mercy. The devil will build people up, give them success in drug dealing, this, that, the other. And I mean, he'll build up a great edifice and he builds it up with one thing on his mind the whole time. I can't wait till I tear him down. I can't wait till I lock him up. I can't wait till I get him killed. He can't bless anybody. He can't help anybody. Because that's, that's not in him. He's, 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 he is destruction. He is a lie. Glory to God. But Jesus Christ is life. Amen? Amen. 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 Now here's the thing. You can't tell people this when they're in the midst of grief. Now, for example, I couldn't go to those folks and say, well, the devil just took his life. Because they're not going to receive that. That's going to sound hard-hearted. It's going to sound cold. The time for people to come to grips with this is now. Yeah. 
when you're not in grief, when you're not facing those situations. So you have a way of understanding those things when they do happen. Amen? Amen. 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 All right. Go to Acts chapter 16. The thing is, the Bible says God will protect you. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall what? Abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God, and him will I trust. That's protection. Amen. 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 The word says, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. Doesn't it say that? Amen. Well, if you take that seriously, you know you're covered if, you, if you're actually putting your faith in him. All right, Acts chapter 16. Now, last time we read verses 16 through 18, where this slave woman was going behind Paul and Silas saying, these are the servants of the most high God. These are the servants of the most high God. And Paul just got tired and finally turned around and said, Satan, come out of her in the name of Jesus. Cast the devil out. And the woman was a fortune teller and she couldn't tell fortunes anymore. And all the people who benefited from her fortune telling and their gambling, getting stuff from her, they were mad. So they went lock Paul and Silas up. So let's pick up at verse 19. If you haven't, I'm reading from the New King James Version. If you don't have a Bible, we'll be happy to provide you with one. Um, if you have your own Bible, it should read essentially like this one. If it doesn't, get rid of that thing. Find yourself a better one. Uh, but here's what it says, beginning at the 19th verse. It says, but when our master saw that their hope of, you, you members who've got the Bible, read it with me, please. It says, but when our master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city and they teach customs which are not lawful for us being Romans to receive or observe. Now pause right there. Let me get something straight here and now. Christians have no obligation before God to obey a law that contradicts the law of God. Amen. We have no obligation to obey that. Amen. I know everybody's trying to make this woman, Kim Davis, out into some, into some kind of villain. Well, she should resign. No, she shouldn't. She has a First Amendment right to stand on her religious responsibilities and her conscience. And if they want to do this, let them find a way past a law that provides an alternative for believing Christians so they don't have to do stuff that is against the word of God. Because otherwise, what you're saying is, if you're a Christian, you can't serve. Because you got to perform same-sex marriage, so you can't serve. Only a non-believer or a compromising, weak-kneed, milk-toast, mealy-mouthed, so-called Christian can serve will say, yeah, well, I believe that too, but you know, it is the law, and I'm going to go along with it. That's not what they did. They said, well, wait a minute, these men are teaching stuff. That's not lawful here. Paul and Silas said, too bad. We're going to preach it anyway. Same thing they told the, the apostles in the book of Acts. Now, wait a minute, you, 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 now look. You, don't you all go out here preaching in the name of Jesus. They said, whether we should obey God or man, you judge. We will obey God. But we American Christians, we are so spoiled. We, we, the Christian church has been persecuted throughout history in almost every nation on the face of the earth except one, the United States of America. There have been all kinds of problems, but not persecution of Christians for faith in Jesus Christ. And now that day is coming. It's arrived. And we're all shocked. But guess what? It's been going on everywhere else for as long as Christianity has been in existence. Amen? Amen. 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 We do not. Look, if you obey a law that is against the law of God, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were faced with the same thing. So was Daniel. Same thing. But they said, we don't care what the king says. We don't care what his decree says. We're going to obey God. 
And now all of a sudden we come to the modern Christian church and so yeah, but you know, you get, Christians are supposed to obey the law of the land. Yes, as long it does, as it does not contradict the law of God. Yes, yes. Glory to God. Now, go to the 22nd verse. It says, Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Glory to God. Let me tell you something. Anybody, anybody can be thankful when everything goes right. You ain't getting no reward for that. Oh, the Lord just blessed me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, what about when you're broke and you don't know where the money's coming from? I don't know why God let me be in this situation. No. See, mature Christianity, this is discipleship. They look, and by the way, by the way, when they talk about beating in this day, they didn't take no little strings and slap them a couple times. I mean, they were beating these men with cats of nine tails. They were ripping their flesh up. They were leaving them bloodied and then sticking them in a, a, a prison. And by the way, where they stuck them, that would make a maximum security prison today look like a vacation spot. Because they stuck them, remember, there were no tile floors. There was no electric lighting. There were cockroaches and rats and mice and all kinds of vermin. They were in, and, and they were, I mean, they were just in the dark, chained to a wall. And they, here they are down there. And think about what we go through. Think about when things go wrong in your life. Think about how long it takes you, if you ever get there, to say, Lord, I don't care what, I don't care what it looks like. Hallelujah, anyhow. I praise you, anyhow. Here these men were, and by the way, let me add one more element to it. Because this was clearly a town of violence, the way they grabbed them, they could have executed them. They could have said, well, we got them now. They've ruined our little lucrative deal with this, this girl who could tell fortunes. We're going to kill them. Now, but here they are, chained to a wall in the darkest part of the prison, and they're singing and praising God. You have a hard time getting people to sing praise God in church, where they got air conditioning and, and nice lighting, and, and it smells nice and everything. And, Hallelujah. Glory to God. And here Paul and Silas are down in the prison singing so loud, all the prisoners heard them. See, because this is the thing, saints, until you get bold with your faith, you're not going to impress anybody. You know, what if they've been down there saying, now, Lord, we don't know why you let this happen to us. That prison was banned, them dummies. They're serving this God who ain't doing nothing for them. Yeah, look at them. Now they're down there crying. But this prison must have said, are they singing? Well, that's new. I ain't never heard anybody locked up in here singing. And they were just singing and praising God. And see, God honors that, saints. The next time something goes wrong, the next time you hear bad news, you don't praise God because something's bad, but you praise him in spite of the fact that something's gone wrong. Your praise is an indication of your absolute and perfect trust in him. You know, I've said to my church many times, I said, I don't care if you got to grab your mouth and pull both ends out and just smile anyhow, just force yourself. Hallelujah, glory to God. 
I'll tell you what you start doing, and you know what, after a while that thing will just lift off of you and you'll get a breakthrough. The Bible says praise steals the enemy and paralyzes the avenger. Praise sets an ambush for the devil. You begin to praise God, he don't know what to do with you. He said, well, I mean, I thought I had him hurt. And he said, you dancing and praising God, hallelujah, glory to God, thank you, Jesus. And the devil, he looking around talking about, what's, what's going on here? And he can't stand the atmosphere of praise. He runs from that, amen? Amen, amen. If you want to mature, you want to grow, you can't wait until the battle is over. You can't wait until you get your breakthrough. You gotta praise God and thank him now. That's an indication of your trust in him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 26 verse, read it with me, it says, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loose and the keeper of the prison awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced having believed in God with all his household. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You want to be a witness to your unsaved friends, relatives, family? Show absolute confidence in God in the midst of the turmoil. Just give God praise and give God glory and just say, God's going to take care of this thing. And then when they see it taken care of, they say, wow, you know what? He said that. She said that. But if you're all down in the mouth and you're mad and snapping at everybody and because this didn't go right and that didn't go right and then you get your breakthrough, you say, praise the Lord, the Lord delivered me. And they look at you and go, yeah, you weren't saying that two days ago. You weren't acting like that two days ago. Amen. Amen. Now, I want to show you two things. How does God's protection work and why does it work? How does it work and why does it work? Because look, this is important. This is important. We had two people here, one with uh, lung cancer, one with throat cancer. I mean, those are serious. God delivered them both. Amen. Saved them both. Amen. Amen. But I tell you what they didn't get when they came to me and told me that. They didn't get, well, now you know, brother. You know, you never know what God might want to do. God may have given you that cancer for a reason. How's he gonna give you cancer? He ain't got none. The Bible says in him is no darkness, no evil. That, that stuff is evil, that stuff is dark. He doesn't have it, how's he gonna give it to you? No, no, we went to work, amen? We went to work. I said, okay, praise God. We got the victory over this thing right now, hallelujah. Glory to God, went to praying, they went to praying and, pray, and God just brought them out, amen? Amen, amen. How God's protection works and why it works. Now, go back to Acts chapter 16, go back to verse six. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. I want to show you something very interesting. One of the things that we seldom do when we read scripture is put the context together, sort of try to see how it all fits together. I want to show you how this, what we just read with Paul and Silas fits together. Acts chapter 16, look at verses 6 
And we'll start there. I'll tell you when to stop. It says, now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Now stop right there. That's where they wanted to go. One of the things that mature Christians have to learn is just because you want to do something doesn't make it what God wants you to do. And by the way, going to preach the word of God in Asia wasn't a bad thing. Paul wasn't going there to set up nightclubs. But it wasn't what God wanted him to do. See, and a lot of times we Christians will really believe that if we really want to do something, it must be what God wants us to do. You better check yourself. You better be open enough to the Holy Spirit to say, okay, well, Lord, you, now you know this is what I, I want. This is where, where my heart is leading. But I want to make sure this is what you want for me. Because if it's not, Lord, I don't want it either. See, because it's an acknowledgement that God knows you better than you know yourself. You think you know yourself, but you really don't know yourself. Not like God knows you. Amen? And when God has something for you, you need to be open and to see where, where God wants to lead you. Because I guarantee, I don't care how it looks from a distance, when you get there, you're going to say, well, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm glad, I'm glad you got me here. He's glad you kicking and screaming, pretty much. Well, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the blessing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Uh, Mrs. Jackson, um, you know, we've tried to find a job in Chesapeake for in, in teaching. And something finally opened up in Newport News, but pretty, pretty way up in Newport News. But it was kindergarten teaching, and she wasn't that hot on that or wasn't that hard on going to Newport News. And she was a little upset by the whole thing because she wanted to stay, stay close at home. And I said, well, look, let's do this. Let, let's go give it a try. I said, well, you know, you're not bound. If, if you decide you just really don't like it, quit. God will take care of us. Quit. But, you know, give it a shot. So we prayed about it, and she said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it a shot. Next time she came up, I am so glad that the Lord sent me up there. I really love it. <laughs> Amen. So, and, and we're all like that. We, you know, we think we know what we want, but God really knows best what we want. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, so it says, in the seventh verse, it says, uh, after they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, Bithynia, and the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel there. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony, and we were staying in that city for some days. Ah, part of protection is, you gotta be where God wants you. He didn't end up in Philippi by accident. In fact, I looked at the map. God wanted him to go this way, Paul wanted to go that way. Because Bithynia, uh, um, where Philippi was almost direct west, a little bit north, Bithynia was way northeast. That's where he wanted to go. And, 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 and Asia, the churches that are mentioned in Revelation, they were way south. In other words, he, was going, he wanted to go in exactly the opposite direction where God wanted him to go. Guess what? Even though you want to do the right thing, if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, you become vulnerable to Satan. 
because you are not where God, see, God's plan includes your protection. Amen? So, so that job, and I've said this many, many times, you, are, you should never, ever, ever make a decision about a job, a house, a car, a marriage, <laughs> without knowing in your heart that God has blessed this thing, that, that the anointing of God is on it, that it's right for you, that it's what God has for you.